0: So, this week, before we get started, I want to share about a metric mastermind that we're going to be holding next week, Sunday, July 10th at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is going to be an opportunity for you to come and listen regarding the top five key billing metrics that you should be monitoring in your practice. We're going to be going over how to define those, how to calculate them, what are benchmarks that you should be going after so that you can walk away with those metrics to understand and implement in your practice. Hopefully, these are five metrics you're already tracking. This is old news. But if it's not, this is a really important time for you to come gain this knowledge so that you can go back to your billing team and start implementing those. It's absolutely critical that even as physicians and and healthcare providers, we are aware and knowledgeable when it comes to our own success and building metrics so that we can understand, okay, we need to make a change or we need to change processes, etc. And so again, if you haven't registered, go to nationalrevenueconsulting.com and click on the link Metric Mastermind. We look forward to seeing you live in person next Sunday. Welcome back to another week of the RevMD podcast. I'm excited to be back and talking about the same sort of theme we've been talking about the last couple weeks with another type of care management that is used to increase revenue. So if you've been listening and following along, the last two weeks we've talked about chronic care management and also principal care management. So both of these are ways to manage patients in between visits and a great way to increase revenue, as well as provide excellent patient care in the office. Granted, we all know it's a lot of work, and oftentimes you guys know that you're doing a lot of this work already, so now it's just about making sure that you're getting paid for the work you're doing. So this week, we're going to change gears and talk a little bit about remote patient monitoring, or RPM. So another word that this goes by is remote physiologic monitoring. And this has actually been around for several years, but have had some few modifications that have occurred occurred over the period between COVID and um, post-COVID regulations. So first off, what is remote patient monitoring? So this is a relatively new concept, though its roots trace back decades ago with the concept of trying to connect patients who are at home in between visits to the doctor's office. So the idea behind this is not only to connect with the patient, but also track key health metrics, such as vital signs, so that you can develop or modify care management plans in between visits. So providers typically physically give the patients devices to take home so that they can collect and transmit data uh, through a telehealth port platform or some other app so that the physicians or the other healthcare providers can analyze the results and then communicate with the, with the patient any changes that are needed. There are five primary RPM codes, CPT codes, and those are 99091, 99453, 99454 and 99457. Oh, and also 99458. So these codes are actually divided up based on whether or not they're time based codes or are they a device based code or is it a code that you use when you're setting up the patient initially and you're educating them on the device and how the care management plan is going to work? Let's talk about the setup and education codes first. So, CPT code 99453 actually covers the time spent for the initial setup. So, it includes things like onboarding of the patient by the clinical staff, explaining how the device works, setting up a treatment schedule, all those fun things. Now, 99453 is valid just once per episode of clinical care or treatment plan that you've created. And so, if a patient is being cared for by one more than one provider or a physician or even uses a number of different RPM devices you still can only bill for one of these now the CPT code 99454 covers the monthly remote monitoring of the patient and includes the supply and use of the medical device remotely and any sort of collection of of patient-generated health data, or PGHD. So this is specifically data transmission and does not include time spent educating and setting up the device. Now, again, only one practitioner can bill 99453 and 54 during a 30-day period, and only when you are monitoring at least 16 days of data with at least, obviously, one medical device, right? So Now that we've talked about setup, let's talk about the CPT codes that we're using to actually manage and treat the patient in between. So there are two codes that pertain to this. So CPT 99457 and 99458, which can be used by clinical staff. So the 99457 is covering that initial treatment management of the patient, reimbursement for the first 20 minutes of time that the clinical staff note that, right? Spends with the patient. Now the 99458 covers additional treatment management of the patient. So any additional 20 minute increments, and you can have a a maximum of 60 minutes total per month per patient. Now, as an alternative to the 5.7 and 5.8 CPT codes, which again, like I said, are used for clinical staff, the 99091 covers the standalone collection interpretation of remote data that only physicians or other healthcare providers, such as an NP, PA, can bill for. It includes 30 minutes of the RPM clinical time between a patient and physician per month, and requires at least one instance of communication, which could be a call, a video visit, or some sort of message email exchange. Now, 99091 cannot be billed in conjunction with 99457, as that's intended for standalone treatment. Now, I'm going to say this again, and I think I've said it already, even when multiple medical devices are provided to the patient, the services associated with all the medical v- devices can be billed by only one practitioner, only once per patient, per 30-day period, and only when you have at least 16 days of data that have been collected. So as always, we've got to make sure these services are reasonable and necessary as we do all of our work, right? And CMS does state that RPM is not limited to these codes. So there are additional, more specific codes available for billing that allow remote monitoring, like 95250 for continuous glucose monitoring, for example, or 99473, 99474 for self-measured blood pressure monitoring. So, when a more specific code is available to describe a service, kind of like when we're thinking about ICD 10 codes, right, then that one should be used. So, if you do have something that's more specific, use it. And as always, consult with your certified billing and coding professionals if you've got any questions so that you can ensure that you have accurate coding and claim submission. So, while Reimbursement did go down slightly in 2022 for RPM. The CCM rates did go up quite a bit. So, um, if you're trying to manage all three of these programs in your practice, this can be a highly lucrative and good for patient care perspective for your practice. We're going to talk a little bit more about the specifics around qualifications. It's important to note that a patient does not need a chronic condition to qualify for RPM. So in 2019, CMS initially had described RPM as services that need to be rendered to patients with chronic conditions, but it was actually confirmed in the 2021 final ruling that practitioners may furnish RPM services to remote collect and analyze data from patients with acute conditions as well. Now, CMS has also stated that RPM is limited to those patients who are established, which makes sense. How can you recommend a monitoring treatment for a patient you haven't had a relationship with? So that is required, meaning during that new patient EM service, if it's the first time and you've identified that they have a condition or a history that would be necessary to use remote monitoring in between patient visits, then obviously you're going to document that, consent the patient, et cetera, so that you can sign them up, educate them with the device, and get a care plan together. Now, CMS did waive that established patient restriction during the public health emergency, but then declined to extend that waiver beyond the PHE. So, again, bottom line, you need to have a relationship with the patient before you set this type of service up. But it does seem like it's something that could be done through telemedicine. Granted, we all know that a lot of the telemedicine rules are rapidly changing as we speak. So, let's talk about how the care is delivered. The 20 minutes of intra service work associated with, again, 99457 or 99458, which is with your clinical staff's time, does need to be Interactive communication, or a non- and can be a non-to face-to-face care during that month. So I'm going to qualify what interactive communication means. So this is really just meaning you're talking to the patient over the phone or some other video in order to have uh, a conversation. So it it doesn't include any sort of email communication specifically for those two codes. However, it doesn't mean that you actually have to spend the entire 20 minutes in some sort of interactive communication. And there was a lot of back and forth over this specifically over the last year or two. But fin- finally, CMS confirmed that, and I quote, the time in the descriptor for codes 99457 and 99458 is for all elements of the work related to remote physiologic monitoring. So it could be things like analysis, interpretation, development of the treatment plan, and is not meant to be limited to only synchronous time spent communicating with the patient regarding their treatment plan, end quote. Let's talk briefly about different types of devices. So the quality and eligibility of these monitoring devices is crucial when you're setting up these programs. As medical equipment, at home devices are going to need to meet certain standards to qualify. So, to determine which pieces of equipment are eligible for remote patient monitoring billing, there are some factors that you should consider. For example, the device should automatically upload patient measurements and data, and patients are not permitted to self report the data. There are going to be a variety of different eligible devices offered by remote patient monitoring companies. Some of those include blood pressure cuff, a blood glucose monitor, a digital weight scale, a pulse ox. And again, that's just an example. There are um, others out there. Hopefully this has been helpful. And I know this is a quick podcast and has been a good last few weeks really talking about the different types of management programs you can put in your office. Oftentimes, again, you guys are doing this work already, so now it's just a matter of getting paid for it and continuing to document all the great work you're doing. If you've been enjoying this podcast, subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend. We also have a Facebook group called RevMD, which is limited to healthcare practitioners if you want to join as well.